0: Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, along with my three co-hosts in Fred Claire, Pat Gallagher, and Andy Dolich. And I mean, I'm just amazed that we haven't done this yet, but all four of us are on the podcast at the same time. Um, this has been a wild ride and, and a journey so far. We're 100, 100 plus episodes in and you know, continuing, but um, we... we You know, in in a day and age where we we are living in uncertainty, um, we're all looking for some hope. And uh, you know, with today's today's situation, uh, we wanted to bring up Fred uh, Fred's story and Fred's new book uh, that is coming out, kind of as this kickstarter to this conversation. And then uh, we'll definitely throw it around the roundtable in terms of some some upcoming topics and some history that we might be able to try and learn from as, as none of us have lived through what we are today. So without further ado, Fred, let's kick it to you to start off. Uh, what's, what's the story uh, of the City of Hope?
1: Well, uh, thank you, Jake. And it's good to have our team uh, together and all being in safe places. Um, I um, was introduced to the uh, City of Hope five years ago. Uh, as I started a uh, journey uh, related to cancer having been diagnosed with cancer and uh, when I saw all the great work that was being done at the city of hope and serving the patients and um, you know patients in such uh, need of assistance uh, I thought what what is it that I can do to be of help because I was so, Impressed with the philosophy, with the doctors, with the staff, with everyone at City of Hope. And um, to begin with, we had a couple of celebrity golf tournaments that assisted the City of Hope. But I wanted to continue to try to contribute and really to uh, be able to uh, help tell the story of the City of Hope and the medical team. So um, our book, Extra Innings, uh, is now available. If I can get in a plug on. Amazon it is the um, story uh, of uh, not the, the Fred Clare book, per se, because that one was written a few years ago, but really shining a light on the City of Hope and the medical team and all of the great work that they do and um, uh, the wonderful uh, advancements that have been made. Uh, the writer, Tim Madigan, uh, I think has done a really good job of pulling together uh, the the baseball world part of it with the City of Hope story and all funds uh, go to City of Hope. But I think um, uh, what resonates most to me today at this moment is having had that experience and I continue to uh, be involved with the City of Hope as both a patient and as an advocate, uh, knowing the... Um, uh, having had that experience of going through a journey with cancer and, and, and seeing the work that is done. And and we all can uh, certainly relate to what we're watching on television on a daily or hourly basis about the great people in the medical world and the great doctors and staff members uh, who were there to serve. So it really, um, brings it very much into uh, my heart, uh, into my soul to see this um, and to um, have uh, had the great blessing and fortune uh, to be involved with such a wonderful medical center. And of course, there are so many in our country and so many who uh, really are the, uh, the heroes of today, the heroes of this hour and the heroes of our time.
0: So you talked about your experience and, and obviously an inspiring one. Um, but, you know, you hit on some of the lessons that you wanted to try and pull from the, the book that was written amongst the stories, um, not only yours, but but others involved. What, what's some of the things that you can pull from from there that you know, we can all kind of just think about as we do have some extra time to, to sit and reflect and, and think uh, through some different lenses. Well,
1: one, one of the, uh, the stories relates to a dear friend, and I'm sure not, that both uh, Pat and Andy know him. Jake, you may know him or know of him yourself, was Kevin Towers, the, um, the great general manager of the San Diego Padres and Arizona Diamondbacks. And Kevin and I uh, were uh, general managers. I had been a general manager for a number of years when Kevin came in San Diego. And we always had a, a good relationship, a friendly relationship. I respected Kevin. So uh, the, the relationship was good, but I, I wouldn't say that it, was, uh, that it was all that close. Well, um, as I was beginning my cancer treatment Kevin also was diagnosed with cancer, um, as fate or time would have it. And um, he was diagnosed with uh, anaplastic thyroid cancer, which is a deadly, deadly disease to which there really is no cure. And the uh, relationship in the last year of Kevin's life, uh, our relationship, our friendship, our text messages, uh, Kevin was known, uh, and Andy and Pat, you may know this or know of him as the gunslinger. I mean, uh, you know, uh, a, a guy who was outgoing and, uh, always the center of attention. But as a fellow patient, uh, I saw a, a totally different side of Kevin as our relationship developed and his courageous battle, basically with a diagnosis that Kevin had, you, you, you basically were given two months to live. And I think in all of our messages and phone calls and text messages, I don't know that he ever ended one without saying, Fred, uh, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. So wh- I guess the point of saying that, and, and because... Uh, I've gotten to know Kelly Towers, Kevin's widow, uh, that it, it's, uh, it, it, it's what it's in a sense of, uh, of what we're all feeling today, the, the, the real the real importance of what we're dealing with, the real importance of life itself. And, and really, and when you're fighting cancer, you're fighting something that we're all experiencing at this very hour. And that is uh, because we've had to stop and slow down. So what is it we're really thinking about? What is it that are our values? What is it that are our priorities? And we've almost all now been forced into the various corners of our own universes to think about those things, to think about family and friends and the things that had the most meaning for us. So I I hope this book, uh, Jake, is able to bring some of that out. And um, another story about a a high school baseball coach that I met who was undergoing cancer treatment and uh, being treated by the same doctor, Dr. Mazzarelli, as myself. And um, a wonderful high school coach uh, who served so many for so well and lost his life. And as it turned out, on that same team that he coached, was a, a high school pitcher, a senior, um, who uh, was a two-time cancer survivor. So there, there is a, uh, I guess what I'm really feeling is, there is a, when you're dealing with cancer and you're in a hospital and you get to know other patients, then there is that feeling of togetherness. But as part of this, and, and what I wanted the goal of the book to be was, was not Fred Clare, he's the kind of vehicle with Cheryl traveling through this, but an introduction to the doctors. This is a story of Dr. Gurnan, of Dr. Mazzarelli, of Dr. Foreman, of Dr. Rosen, of Nurse Candy Young, of a navigator, Lupe Santana. This is their story. I'm just very fortunate to be able to help share their story of what they do, because this is the story, again, of our world of today. Uh, Fred,
2: a a question to you, um, since, you know, we've all gone through similar circumstances with friends and family that, you know, have fought um, some who have won, some who have lost in, in these battles with unseen enemies. But we've all been, and it sounds like you absolutely identified it, we've all been in the business of teamwork. Yes. And if you could spend a moment in terms of today's circumstances where there's lots of different voices from lots of different constituencies, but you've seen in City of Hope and clearly in a much larger perspective how important teamwork is to overcoming the challenges that we face
1: i think uh andy i had the opportunity uh to speak to the city hope leadership conference where they brought in all of their doctors and staff people and the there were two key points to that one of the things that i wanted to acknowledge is i i was very fortunate during my time with the dodgers to be involved in a lot of uh, wonderful teams and winning teams and championship teams uh, through 30 years. But I said to the City of Hope that this is the greatest team, the greatest team that I've ever been a part of. And part of that, uh, and I uh, was struck by the philosophy of the City of Hope, because really the identifying words that are used and are carried out are that we care and there is that feeling as a patient and these stories get told in this book by a number of people about the caring approach of the medical team but uh the 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 concept and to your point of of being part of a team and I think that that's really uh, to where we are today in terms of looking to leadership. And, you know, the leadership in our joint battle today needs to come and has to come by the, the most important people in this battle. And that is the medical community, the medical leaders and uh, to me, that is, uh, and science, that, that, that is what needs to, uh, to drive us. And as members of this team uh, throughout, our, throughout the world today, really, is we just have to, we, we have to play as a team member. And that's what mm-hmm. we're all being asked yeah. to
3: do. You know, you talk, about, you talk about priorities, Fred, and, you know, you, you, sometimes you get jolted. there there are things that happen in life cancer is certainly one of them you get jolted into sort of a new reality and it totally turns your priorities upside down and the things that you know seemed important and that you treated as important and some of the relationships that you had that you know you thought they were one way something jolts it like like what happened to you and to kevin and it turns it all the way around i mean it, it, it's you'd like to think that you would have had a close relationship somehow with kevin and the in the coping with the fear and the treatment that really brought you guys together and that really is sort of the lesson i think uh, is that how to how to uh, sometimes you get tested on what's really really important what's the most important and what are the things that um, all of a sudden, that rise to the top of the list of the things that you really care about. Sometimes you don't know what those things are until you get jolted by, you know, the sort of this new reality.
1: I, I, I think that's absolutely right. And again, I think we're say, seeing this uh, play out uh, in terms of uh, we lost a, uh, in watching the news last night. We lost a wonderful young uh, nurse in one of the New York hospitals, the young man in his forties and his sister came on. And the very words that she talked about was that her brother was such an important part of the team uh, and and was really such a leader and an advocate for his team, because we've all been around teams for all of our lives there's all of our adult lives and and then some i guess but we see that we see that on teams we see that on teams that we've been familiar with whether it's baseball football basketball whatever it may be and what we see what we see at times are are those people who emerge as such contributors not necessarily the stars not the highest profiles but the contributors, because of what they do, because all of us have that opportunity and and reaching out to help others uh, brings that closeness uh, to to all of us and and to the team effort. Fred,
0: Fred, there's a there's a flipbook that you gave me three years ago about one of your experiences. Uh, throwing out a pitch at Dodger Stadium. And in the back of the book, there's a quote that says, there are times in our life that become special because we are able to share them with people who are meaningful to us. When such times involve memories and emotion, it is difficult to find the right words for a proper description. And I think it, it's certainly true with what you're just talking about in the relationships and the people that are meaningful. And, and Pat, to your point, earlier about being jolted, it's, it's sometimes you can get away from the team, from the family, from the close friends, the relationships that, that we all foster within, whether it's our life or, or the industry in which you work in. Um, ultimately, you know, how do you rise up together and connect uh, on, a, on a further level?
2: Might be a perfect segue, Pat, to Uh, The rock roll and shaking of uh, October of 1989, when the rest of the country went, oh, the Bay Area, they're celebrating a World Series. We don't care. Um, And Al Michaels came on. And I guess Al's the first live broadcast of a natural disaster on network TV. And I think of the head of the motorcycle corps, Isaiah, right? who drove his patrol car to home plate and around the infield at Candlestick. What a hero he was. And all of the heroes around that game that nobody really knew about. You're talking
3: about Isaiah Nelson, who was the police commander. I mean, the thing that was remarkable about the whole World Series experience was that, you know, we, we were all preparing for this I mean, the, the likelihood that the Giants and the A's could ever play each other in the World Series was such a remote, remote possibility that, you know, we were all preparing for this special moment, and then this moment that nobody ever predicted came out of left field, literally, and um, s- sort of spun everybody on a different axis, is that all of a sudden the World Series wasn't important anymore. Um, you know, you were looking towards your family, and the people that you really cared about and nobody knows i don't think anybody can predict what sort of a you know if they're going to be a hero or not until they're tested and i think you know isaiah nelson was certainly one of the heroes in that whole thing and we we, we didn't know we didn't know when it happened um there, there was no manual for this you sort of you have to react in some way and it was a um uh, it it was one of those things that was a kind of a seminal moment in my life because I was, I was the vice president of business operations for the giants, you know, standing on the field and we're preparing for the, you know, the most exciting moment maybe in any of our lives. And then all of a sudden we get tossed where we have to make some, some quick decisions that, um, that we're not really, we don't really know whether we're prepared to make. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're prepared to make them. You have to make them. And uh, it, was a, it was sort of a reality that uh, you, know, you sort of tend to relive in your mind, but it was, a, uh, uh, it was an incredible time. And I think uh, you look back on it, and the, you know, the baseball and, and everything was, was the vehicle that brought this whole thing together. But baseball wound up being sort of last priority when we had to figure out what to do.
2: And sitting in those meetings at the hotel with candlelight, I mean, literally candlelight for a few days with the mayors, uh, Commissioner Faye Vincent, his staff, the police commanders, the state authorities and everybody else that were sort of laying out um, what are the parameters here. And I'll always remember Faye Vincent saying, you know, this is just our little game and we won't do anything until that team tells us that the Bay Area is at a point that we could replay the games. And that was right, Pat, early in the discussion.
3: I'll I'll, I'll quickly set the the scene on that. Is that. Okay, this is the St. Francis Hotel in downtown San Francisco. This is the day after the earthquake. There's no power there are still fires in the, uh, in the Marina district. And, you know, all these people from out of town who have come into town for the World Series, many of them worked in the commissioner's office. All of a sudden now you're in a, in a, in a hotel where there's no power. Um, and so this meeting you're talking about was held on the second floor and they took banquet, the candelabras that you would use in a, in a banquet that would be lit candles. And they had those up the stairs that would give us all a way to find our way to this conference room. You go into the conference room and nobody had showered. This was the day after, the morning after. And you've got all so, supposedly the most important people. You've got the, the, the owners from both teams. You've got the, the head of the network. You've got the commissioner. You've got all the different cast of characters from the different teams, and the one thing that sort of united everybody was that we were all pretty scared, and we're kind of looking around. To I wish somebody had had the presence of mind to, to to film that at the time they didn't, and then all of a sudden the mayor of San Francisco Art Agnos charges in, and we're you know we're listening, we're we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, and here's what he says. He goes, "Hey, look," um, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, "Look." Uh, I know that the World Series is important to you. I've got to, I've got to check on hospitals and bridges. And, uh, you know, I've got people who are suffering right now. So I'm not going to be able to do anything to, to tell you whether that ballpark is safe or not uh, for I don't know how long. So do what you want to do, um, but don't count on me for any support for a while. So he walks out of the room. And that's when the commissioner, sort of, who had been on the job for about two months, after uh, Bart Giamatti passed away is that all of a sudden he kind of, he, he put it into perspective quickly. And I admire him for that is that this is, you know, baseball, we all came together for the world series, but it's a pretty modest, he, he called it our modest little game compared to the situation that, that we all had to deal with. And I think it, it sort of, it really set the tone then because um, it, people had to figure out a way to work together. They were forced to do that and forced it there was no there was no roadmap there was no agenda and it wasn't until 10 days later when the um you know i guess it was right after the 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 last of the casualties were pulled out of the, the the cypress structure freeway that all of a sudden it was sort of decided by uh the local elected officials and others that actually maybe we should try to resume this world series because it could be important, an important element of bringing people back together again and uh, injecting maybe the first dose of normalcy into people's lives. And so we resumed game game four ten 10 days later at Candlestick Park. And one of the first things we did as they were preparing for the game is we had people in the ballpark all join hands like you would do if you were in church and sing um, San Francisco. And um, it was a, it really it was an odd, it's the odd moment, a, almost like a religious moment at the beginning of a baseball game. And then we had the first responders, you know, the, the Caltrans, the police, the fire. The, the, the,
2: <laughs> that nobody was referring to this group as yeah, first and throw responders. Out the first ball to
3: start the game. The, and the, let's, let's face it, the game, the game, the, the next two games, you know, the Giants were swept in four in four games. Hey, I still believe that the, the, the world series ought to have an asterisk next to it, but that, Hey, that's a whole different story, but I do have an asterisk on my ring. But I think the point was, it was, you know, if you're, if you're a giants, you know, you, first of all, you're dealing with a lot of failure over the years, you're playing in the worst ballpark that was ever created. You, you get a chance finally now to have the world series, and something like this happened. So they talk about the curse of candlestick. We, we thought we were living under the curse of candlestick, but we, but we also felt fortunate that we, we were able to help use baseball as a way to sort of bring people together again and sort of start the healing, which I think is, is probably something that's going to happen, I hope, uh, as we get through this current situation that we're in.
2: And what I'll always remember about Candlestick uh, is that yes, it took it took a lot of spitballs thrown at it, but the weather, right, Pat? It was earthquake weather, meaning it was perfect. It was seventy one degrees. There wasn't a, a wisp of wind when Loma Prieta came our way, and Candlestick just looked at Loma Prieta and you said the Marina District the horrible tragedy of the Embarcadero and the Cypress structure, I don't know if there was a nail out of place at Candlestick. So Candlestick is always my hero of a stadium, because if there was any damage that people could see or anything collapsed, the amount of tragedy that would have come out of that game Oh, I hate to even
3: think about it. A little sidebar to this whole thing is that the sort of the disaster planning for every major venue in the world was sort of revisited after that because there really was no plan in place to take care of it. You know that thing they call the emergency broadcast system on the radio when all of a sudden you hear every once in a while you hear this signal and it says this is a test of the emergency broadcast system? Well, the emergency broadcast system didn't work. It, 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 it didn't, it, all of a sudden people were sort of left to their own devices and it was uh, the, all the, well, there was no iPhone, the, iPhones. The, the only <laughs> cell phones at that time were, were about the size of a, um, of a, a, a brick, the brick, a brick phone. Yeah, so, the brick so there phones. were all, all these media people, 1300 media people who had come to cover the World Series, all of a sudden became, uh, you know, responders in that they were, they were handling communication on their on their devices because nobody had a cell phone and so you hear a you hear a, a walkie talkie somebody's saying on a walkie talkie that the bay bridge has collapsed and what kind of a visual image do you have well it didn't collapse and a section collapsed i guess i guess the whole point of this was that it, it sort of like in some ways like what we're going through now is that sports it was all a very important part of our lives but sports in terms of the priority of things that are really, really important, uh, went way far down on the list. But then at some point when we all had to come together, sports sort of rose to the top of the list to actually help bring people together, which I think is a, um, I think wound up being a a, a good thing. Well, and,
0: and I mean, you, you, you take those lessons, right. And that, that was 1989. You think about, um, Everything that, that sports from a memory perspective, you know, means to every individual um, in which it's important to, uh, not, you know, not only the players, the coaches, the front offices, the, the fans, um, but just everyone in general that, that lives in that community, right? The, the L.A. community in which Fred is in, and, and you were just talking about San Francisco, um, and in today's society, with, with our current situation, you know, every community is affected. Um, and so there's, there's some sort of sports organization, some sort of community organization, hospital, you name it, that means something to the community in which uh, we can all gather around and, and team up together. So Fred, Andy, Pat, I, I would pose the question of, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, today's situation right in the face. Uh, we have zero clue what's going to happen. Um, it's it's uncertainty on on all levels. And you know, Fred, you mentioned we started off this podcast talking about teamwork. I mean, what what are some of the lessons that we can pull from sports that we can all work together on um, to ultimately get through this, and then and then let's look at what well, I, it what it, it looks like after it that. Really
1: goes back to the main heading that you led with and, and truly and uh, it, is, it is teamwork it is uh, just that it is uh, pulling together and staying together and I think uh, just as Pat talked about the World Series I think that when we do come out of this what will be shown is truly who are who have been the heroes who help bring us through. And there's no question in my mind, but those heroes are going to be the doctors and the nurses and all of those who are putting their lives on the line and going beyond that because it, it just isn't what is on the uh, the headline. Those heroes are also the grocery clerks, the people who are keeping... Uh, the businesses running that are needed, and I think um, I, I think that really uh, is, is the key. And uh, it's a long time from that story uh, being written, but the story will be written about um, about how we were able to uh, uh, to conquer this and survive this because we will. Uh, because we, we have, we have always uh, done that. Uh, and, um, and that's who we are as a country, as a nation.
0: Andy, you brought up earlier, as we were talking before the podcast, kind of the unknown, the uncertainty, and, and as Pat alluded to it earlier, kind of being jolted and, and being able to uh, rally around the people and the relationships that you have. Um, what What are you expecting as, you know, you've been in, you guys have all been in the industry for a long time and that you've seen a lot of things, but, but something, nothing like this and that what are some of the, the pieces of advice you might have in terms of those thoughts and perspectives uh, as we look forward,
2: as Fred said, as we will get through. There's so many thoughts that jump around in anybody's mind. Uh, you know, to Pat's point earlier, there was not an earthquake game plan in a Minder for World Series at Candlestick. I don't think anybody had a pandemic playbook in the world of sports or venues. And I think of this, I mean, the world is in the shape of a ball. And uh, I look at this, this is a global scenario. This is, yes, we will deal with it locally. But now, from a teamwork standpoint, which is surely not easy, especially just in our country right now, but the world really needs to team up. And the key is that we don't have the answers. And mature leaders that I've seen and respect in life are those that when they don't know something, they tell you they don't know it. As opposed to, here's what I think. So I can say, I don't know because of how far out that green light is going to be. I believe, like most, it will come on. but as we look at many of the challenges that we face in history, they're localized. Um, whether it was the earthquake world series or tornadoes in Nashville or hurricanes on the East coast, or even the horrific trauma of nine 11, they were in a local area. Um, this is global. And that, opens up even a greater opportunity, as we're hearing already, for global cooperation. And think about what a breakthrough that would be if this unseen enemy you know, ultimately gets overcome by global cooperation. I hate to sound too high-minded, but that's sort of the way that I'm looking at this, that there are so many opportunities to wipe away some of the incredible stupidity that we all exemplify every day to be at a better place.
3: You know, we, we, I think that the, the, uh-huh. something like this it kind of, like I say jolts us into, into sort of determining, well, what's really important in life? What are the things that are really important? And also sort of decision-making is that, you know, a lot of times you have too much time to make a decision. You can you know you can think of every facet whether you're negotiating a, a, an agreement or something you can negotiate you know you you try to be as smart as you can well sometimes a, a decision has to be made before you know every uh, every implication and the, the, the what's imp- what's most important is make a decision it might be a wrong decision or it might not be a perfect decision but it would be a decision based on the best information at the time and also if i also say fear the fear of of what might happen sometimes is a great unifying factor and i think it tends to sometimes unify people who uh have their own priorities and their priorities get tossed out the window because they're forced to work together with people that they may not necessarily agree with but they're forced i think it's the 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 good part of it is is that the you know sort of the common decency and the the good parts of of people are sort of revealed when you go through a situation like you know the ones we talked about but really the the current situation is this story hasn't been written yet and maybe 10 years from now when we can look back on it like we can look back on the earthquake world series we can think about what the implications are i think that we'll we are now fortunate that we're thrown together in a, in a horrible situation, but the f- the common fear and I guess the common the common decency of people are sort of revealed as we all sort of work together as a team to figure out how do we get through this and how do we help each other through this. And it's you know baseball baseball in our lives or sports in our lives was the it was you know one of the most important things to us. Well, it it may not be the most important thing. But it's one of the things that people really care about and having, having you know lived through it, it's one of the things that can actually help uh, it's not the solution, but it, it's going to help people come up with a, a way to um, you know sort of to publish the solution. And um, that's what I think is uh, that's what gives me hope is that I, I sort of believe in the common decency of people to to treat each other right. Sometimes we just have to get reminded of that. And that's what's happened.
0: Well, and it's, and it's keeping it light a little bit as well, right? It's, it's having um, some, you know, we, we were talking earlier about getting out of your comfort zone and whether you have a, whether you have a choice or not, it's putting everyone out of their comfort zone. Right. So, uh, we, we were saying how we were trying to all get on the zoom call. Andy. Um, and, you know, just, just the technology issues and, and we're all, you know, people are working from home. I mean, look, there, there's all sort of uncomfort zones in which let's just face it. We all learn something new about ourselves, about our, our teammates, about um, life as a, as, as a whole, right, Pat. And, and that um, there are, you know, good things to come out of it as well. And so, Fred, I, I want to kick it to you in that um, every conversation, you know, I've ever had with you along the way through your journey of cancer, there's never been a negative word that's come out of your mouth. And it's always been positive. Uh, you, It's always been inspirational. It's always been, you know, when I defeat it, you know, etc. Um, and and I, I turn to you and in, in, you know, your thoughts and perspectives on the, the situation, but then also how to just as an individual, be positive and, and, and be helpful and, and uh, well, mindful I think of it, others.
1: Um, I guess for all of us, it gets to uh, basic um, beliefs, um, but uh, no, knowing uh, knowing that you're if you're trying to do and you are doing uh, the best that you uh, possibly can with whatever. Uh, situation that you're facing uh, it sounds trite but it but it is true that you're that you're giving your 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 full effort uh in all that you do and that you are and certainly in my case in the case of uh, of any patient really in any area of um, of trusting uh, the people around you uh and believing in them and um and um Part of this is uh, for each of us a matter of um, of faith and uh, and and believing um, uh, and, and those things that uh, that we cherish the most. Uh, but I think that you know the the one thing about uh, sports is that there there's always these, the, the the part of the competitive part. And I think that that's one of the things that I've always tried to stress is that, and I think this is true today, that no matter what you're faced with is fighting with all of your heart and soul and mind to be the best that you can be, realizing that we don't, we don't totally, certainly control our fate. But I think that's probably uh, an important message in all of this, because each of us is a member of a team. And Andy makes an excellent point in terms of the, the global picture. It was very well said, Andy, because that's really what we're dealing with. But each of us in our own way, being the best that we can be and staying as positive, uh, despite, the, despite the obstacles, believing in ourselves and those people that we're with and the members of our team and, and in this case the team is uh, as it turns out the universe but i think attitude is critically uh, important jake
0: well fred you couldn't have said it any better i, I think we we wrap up our episode on that and in, in that uh, fred andy pat it's been an absolute pleasure uh, looking forward to many more episodes And any last words from any of you guys?
2: Yeah, I would just jump in, Jake, that through our network of millions of listeners, maybe that's aspirational, (laughs) but the listeners to life in the front office, we want to hear from you um, because there's a lot we don't know. And so if there are topics and other issues that we could bring up with others that we bring on in the weeks to come, that would really be helpful.
1: No,
3: I just, um, uh, it's such a pleasure to to work with our little team. You know, we all bring something different. And and Jake, I'll say to have you as sort of, um, as sort of the ringmaster of this, which you are, um, you facilitate this in a way that neither Fred nor Andy or I, uh, could do. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think it's, um, I think it's a, um, we'd like to, we'd like to offering is a of value. And I think Andy, which, which you're really asking is that for anybody who's listening to this to let us know what they'd like to hear about, what, what are the things that are of value? What directions could we go? That would really help us because we're all doing it for that. We want to do something that's going to add value and, um, and make our experience in the world of sports uh, even more meaningful than it, than it is to us.
0: No, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't have said it any better. I, I think we, you know, we all started this because we wanted to help people and help people that uh, are either in the business, want to get into the business. Uh, as, as we've all talked about on, on the many podcasts, it's a great business to be in. It's full of relationships and, you know we, we we all wish we knew something when we started so uh, that's the goal and we're continuing to uh, evolve bring on different people but like they all said uh, would love to hear from you we will share on linkedin twitter we now have an instagram life in the front office podcast uh, and please share tweet um, comment back at us we'd love to hear your feedback